Good evening. Let's have our Bibles ready. Open to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to spend just a few minutes with you tonight. This morning, I wanted to place emphasis on the new birth that people today can receive after they become acquainted with who Jesus is and what He did. And there is a strategy that I had in mind for today to take what people are focused on around the country and use the Bible to turn that from a one-day celebration to an everyday application. Let me describe again. What I've wanted to do today is to take what people are focused on and use the Bible to turn that from a one-day celebration to a daily and lifetime application. I certainly have no opposition at all to family gatherings during this time of year or mincemeat pie or roasted ham and turkey and all of that and the togetherness that comes in family units. I love that. The birth of Jesus is generally considered in terms of a one-day celebration. What we need to do when we open our Bibles at this place is concentrate on application, applying what Jesus did for us in our lives. And John chapter 3 takes us to the beginning of that, applying what He did for us, being born into the kingdom. And so tonight... I have a similar strategy. There is so much attention this weekend on gifts. I thought I would take off on that. I want to take that fixation and put before us the concept of generosity as described in the Bible, specifically generosity from God that is conveyed to us and offered to us through His Word. And so, I'm going to be talking about the gifts of the Bible that are from God and offered to us and described to us in the Bible, in His Word. And of course, this has good foundation in James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. And so, for a few minutes tonight, we're going to concentrate on some of the gifts described in the Bible that are from God, from His grace and generosity, offered to us and described to us in the Word of God. And we'll start with salvation. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Right in the middle of this paragraph, I want you to look right in the middle of it at the phrase in verse 8, the gift of God. We ought to think of salvation that way. Salvation is offered by God as a gift. And it's called here the gift of God. Faith, repentance, and baptism wouldn't save us if God hadn't made the choice to grant forgiveness through the cross. Church attendance wouldn't save us. All the good works you could pack into your life couldn't save you if God hadn't made the choice in His grace and love to provide <coughs> salvation in Christ. So every time the topic of salvation comes up in my mind, I need to think in terms of a gift God offers. Now, once you arrive there, <clears throat> once you see that salvation is a gift, not something we can earn or deserve, the question is very simple. What do you do when a gift is offered? What is the best response when a gift is offered? A gift is offered that you see the value of. What do you do? I've used this illustration many times. If I stand here tonight and identify someone in the audience and I say, I have a thousand dollars for you, just come up and get it. I think some of you would trip on your way up. I don't think there would be any hesitation. I think you'd be right here. You might even run to take the gift. What are you doing? You're receiving what is offered. And I think I know all of you well enough to say you would offer your gratitude. And then we all hope the gift would be used wisely. You would never say, well, I earned what Berkeley gave me. I did the work and he paid me. You wouldn't describe it that way. You would regard it and you would identify it as a gift. Well, God says... Here is what I'm offering, salvation in Christ. To receive this gift, it is necessary to do something. Follow the instructions to receive the gift, to open it and use it. Consider it a gift, use it and keep it, but forever let your gratitude to the giver be expressed in the way you live. When you obey the gospel, you are receiving the gift of salvation in Christ. 
You are not an earner, but a receiver of a gift from a gracious God. And then after baptism, after receiving and opening that gift, you live in keeping with the teachings of Christ to possess that gift and take it with you all through life. You are keeping and using that gift. When you walk in newness of life, verse 10 describes the life of the one who has, by the activity of faith, received that gift, walking in good works. There is no greater gift than being taken out of sin and into fellowship with God. Christ died for that to happen, and that's what God in His grace and love offers to do when you read His Word. Our response ought to be to receive the gift by the activity of faith and then keep it by walking in faith after baptism, faith that produces good works. That's a gift we need to cherish. Knowledge of God. I'm reading Colossians 1, starting at verse 3. Knowledge of God. Colossians 1, I'm starting at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which is come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered you from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." Here's a passage loaded with gifts. Loaded with gifts. But I want to look at one in verse 10. Increasing in the knowledge of God. God has revealed His will to us in written form, and as we read it and study it and use it in life, there's another gift that comes our way. The ability to know God and to increase in our knowledge of Him. I can know more and more about God as I read His Word. 
Not only do I learn what I need to do from day to day to serve Him, I learn more about who I am obeying. Now, this is so important. You've heard me say it many times. A lot of people know the book, but not the author. It is one thing to read a book and understand the flow of events narrated and even memorize sections of it and be able to defend it. But the question is, do we know the author? There are scientists who know a lot about the natural functions of the universe, but they've never really become acquainted with the creator of the universe. Likewise, there are Bible students who know the Bible front to back, can defend it, maybe quote it, but in life, they're really not acquainted with the author. God has granted to us this gift of being able to read His Word and know Him and increase in our knowledge of Him. And as that process occurs, as we receive that gift of absorbing His Word and learning more and more about Him, we experience deeper faith and stronger defenses against the devil. And Paul says here we're able to be fruitful in every good work. These are gifts described in the Bible from a gracious God for us to receive and use and be grateful for. Gratitude expressed in obedience from now on. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to describe this next gift as present assurance. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We studied the book of Romans recently in the adult Bible class. And if you were with us, you may remember that in this section of Romans, we're talking about the power God provides to keep us on course. 
We start that course, according to Romans chapter 6, being buried with Christ in baptism. Then God provides the power to keep us on course. And this is part of that in Romans 8. And I'm going to call it present assurance. Present assurance that God is with us through whatever difficulty or suffering we endure as His people. God is on our side. Horrible events here on earth do not change that. We brought up the promise this morning that God says He will never leave or forsake His people. Well, that's what I'm calling present assurance. And it is so helpful in conducting your life before God. It helps you sleep. It has a calming effect. It reduces worry and stress. It helps us push, push distractions out of the way to know God is for His people. He's on our side. No difficulties we observe, no difficulties or pain we go through can cancel that love that God has for His people. What a marvelous gift. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Let's do this with the text here. Think about interviewing John based on this. And you inquire, John, why did you write these things? And John answers, that you may believe in the name of the Son of God and that you may know that you have eternal life. Now you do not hear in that statement from John written in 1 John 5 any element of mystery or any doubt about what God has promised to His people, or any kind of guesswork for active believers in God. John says, this is something we know. And add to this, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. There is security for the child of God in the promise of heaven. It is not apart from the activity of faith, but there is security for the child of God that we ought to acknowledge and cherish and keep very close day by day. Well, that's the lesson. These are some of the gifts described in the Bible God offers to us for our taking not as earners, but as people of faith, faith that is active, who can become receivers and keepers. Let's open these gifts. 
Receive them with praise for God. Use them every day. What a shame to have gifts offered of great value and not receive them or to receive them and then not keep them. What a blessing to have gifts from God offered. May I accept them by the activity of faith and keep them and share them. And may they fill my heart with gratitude that issues in obedience every single day of every year the rest of my life. Let's be standing as we sing.